So today I am having my very first guest back on this show since I took a long break. And I'm really pleased about who is coming on today because this is a friend of mine and a client of mine whose work is so important. And I'd love to introduce to you today, Nicole Posner, who is known as the conflict consultant, because that's what she's great at, helping people get through really difficult situations. So hello, Nicole. Nice to see you. Hello. <laughs> I'm just delighted to be here and be your first guest. So thank you for yeah, inviting so me. Yeah, so Nicole and I were sort of saying, well, what, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to do this? And I think it's really important. It's important to me that we re- we retain this really relaxed, normal, normal person speak rather than suddenly going into two professionals. And Nicole and I do know each other pretty well. So, Nicole, I would what I really love to hear is um, I know you, you were talking about that you've been listening to this show as well. And that one of the things you were listening to is how I was talking just just in the episode just before this about identity. And I'm curious about what identity you are right now, you're in, and what mm. you've left behind. Mm, interesting. Well, I think something that's always resonated with me and has always been important is this this image of showing up as being super professional and and this image of the perfect professional she says in air quotes and when I when I first started in this sort of new part of my career journey I hadn't been in the corporate world for many years so I always felt that I had to show up as a certain way and and there was this great fear of judgment that no one would take me seriously um, if I if I didn't look the part or if I didn't behave in a certain way. And I think over the years I've I've shed that that sort of outer shell, if you like, that perfectionist shell. And now I've I feel that I'm being more authentic and being who I really am. And you know, if I mess up or people don't like me for who I am I'm okay with that now which I think I I struggled with for quite a few years you know that and that's definitely held me back a lot in certainly the work I do yeah Um, because you talk a little bit about the kind of places that you go in to help resolve conflict uh, and and what that looks like for people because obviously I know I know your work and, and and what you're doing um and I'm really curious as to as to the way that you show up, what an effect that then has on the client scenarios. Very good. Good question. Um, so, I mean, what I do is I might change ever so slightly now, and, and, and I can tell you a little bit more about that later if you want. But I go into businesses and I help, whether smaller businesses or larger businesses, and help them deal with conflict situations that might be team conflict or um problems with the sort of senior level director level um and i think one of my skills is being a great listener mm-hmm. and being in the moment and being present and being calm and i think when i stopped worrying about what people were thinking about me and actually was present and showed up as 
the real me. Mm-hmm. That actually really helps other people to open up and to share where, what, they're, what they're going through and to then be able to give them the platform to a safe space to, to share more and so I can help them all. But I think when you turn up in the work I do and you people can't connect with you or people feel a barrier, mm-hmm. there is, it's going to be harder to connect with them and for them to feel safe to open up. So. And, and that's the important thing, isn't it? Because when we're talking about conflict in, in business, right, it, the skills to resolve that are skills that are actually needed everywhere in life. It is about how, how literally how we communicate or when we don't communicate or what we're communicating non-verbally by not paying attention or being dismissive. Um, and I'm curious about what led you to want to do this work. Hmm. Well, I fell in, I actually fell into it um, because after a sort of long break, bringing up the kids and just doing some marketing stuff, I was invited to join a weekly psychology study group, which I literally just friends said one day, you know, do you want to join this? And I thought, why not? And so I spent... Um, six years studying psychology as a hobby, um, learned way too much about myself in that time. <laughs> and at the end of that, a friend, I came to a natural end and I wanted to do something with it, but I didn't really know what I wanted to go back into full-time education. I didn't want to study. So I, I started doing an online um, counseling course. And one of the modules on there was mediation. And what I loved about that was that you could bring a finite end to somebody's conflict or problem mm. in a short period of time, rather unlike a lot of counselling or therapies that go on and on and on and on for mm-hmm. years. That must be my impatient nature as well. And mm-hmm. so I trained to be a mediator and then specialised in workplace mediation. And the training I had was from the psychology of conflict. So that really kind of married together these two interests of mine. Um, and from there, from mediation, I understood that a lot of business owners or leaders didn't know how to have difficult conversations. They didn't have the skill set. They, they were wracked with fear. They didn't know how to just how to have a conversation. They, or they avoided them or they messed them up. So that then took me down another route, coaching and helping leaders to have those difficult conversations and business owners. Um, and that's kind of what I love doing now is helping people unravel a mess. And, and now I work so at consult. One of those things that I'm listening to is the amount of fear that sits behind people having difficult conversations, yes. right? It's the yeah. fear. It's not having the courage to even face it. It's about even having how long before people go in for a difficult conversation, how long have they let it fester? Absolutely. Knowing that it's their you know, if it's a um, an employee or someone who's down the, the line, how long have you let that fester before you have this conversation? Yeah. And uh, and then it becomes, you know, it's a personal accountability. If we take 100% responsibility for our actions, somebody being inefficient in the business or, you know, not showing up in the way they should actually is a reflection on you as a manager, which is really hard as well to take on board. Yeah. So tell me about, Tell me about some of the extremes you see people going to to avoid having difficult conversations. I mean, one of my earliest mediations I did, it may even have been the first one, I think, 
going back in the beginning. And there was this manager who clearly did not have the skills or experience or she just didn't know how. She just did not know how to do it. And she went so far as creating a kitchen rotor to stop people because she couldn't handle it. She, she created this kitchen rotor to stop them from meeting in the kitchen because she couldn't manage this conflict between them. She just didn't know what to do. And then after that, um, and I, I guess anyway. So this was a rotor to stop her and the other person coming across each other in the workspace space at all. That's what it was. About it here. was her having to manage two employees that were fighting and she didn't know how to deal with it. She she didn't know how to deal with the, the conflict they were experiencing. Um, and so her tactic was avoidance. And then she took it a step further. And I, I guess anyone that understands NLP and body language and whatever. So what she then did was she stopped their uh moved all their desks so they were instead of facing into the room they faced out and that was fascinating for me because I thought look at the lengths that she's gone to to avoid having this conversation with these people Mm. and it went on for months and months and months and you know when I walked in it was it was it was very sad for the people caught up in it but I felt like saying you know wouldn't it have just been simpler to have had this conversation, you know? And to have... People often can't. They feel like yes. they can't or there's so much fear attached to it. I've got a terrible problem. As we're speaking, my light is going on and off. So I'm now pretty much sitting in the dark with Nicole. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, because of things that have happened to them in their early years, from how, chale- how conflict has shown up for yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I've been in situations before when, when I'm not on form, I've not, I've not led in the way that I would when I was on form. Because sometimes you don't have enough mental or emotional capacity to face something. You kind of know you've got to handle because you've got other stuff that's more important. So, um, so at what point do you end up getting dragged into these things, then, Nicole? All different points. I mean, if somebody's quite I use the word sav- like savvy, you know, if they have awareness about themselves, so they might know that they're sort of, you know, in deep shit, but they don't know how to get out. If that's a good yep. place to be because at least they know they've got to deal with it. I think the problem is, you know, when people come to me and, and things have been going on and on and on for a long period of time, um, it is much harder to deal with. You know, I, I helped somebody recently um, she had a, a problem with um, one of her freelancers that worked with her. And um, she contacted me and said, you know, can I help her? Of course. And then she went quiet on me for a couple of weeks. And it was interesting. She came back, you know, and, and she said originally, oh, you know, I'll, I'll thank you. I'll come back to you and I thought oh well she's obviously dealt with this herself and when she came back to me two weeks later I mean it had already escalated even further and she was in such a panic and she was you know so consumed you know you could just sit by the way she showed up and she was offloading and spouting and talking and her whole you know demeanor had changed and everything about her and those two weeks 
you know, had made such a difference in the context of of not dealing with this stuff. Yeah, because um, the stress had become more intensified, right? Exactly. And it's become a bigger thing, bigger thing in her mind. Exactly. So one of the things that I did want to really talk about today is that your your book, your first book, My is book. called And Breathe. Yes. And obviously there's a nice little segue there, isn't yes. there that we can't not, not discuss. So what, why And Breathe when it comes to conflict? What's that about for you? So when I was writing the book, the um, publisher said to me, what do you want people to feel when they've read your book? And for me, it was that sense of relief. And, you know, when you've had that difficult conversation that you've been avoiding or you know, putting off or burying your head in the sand, to know that actually, oh, that wasn't so bad after all. And, you know, you when you had that difficult conversation, you say, how do you, and you just, oh, you sigh and, oh, and breathe, thank goodness that was over. But equally, it's a nod to before we have those conversations when we're quite tense. You know, when you're tense, people say to you, breathe, you know, like that sort of breathe. So it was a sort of a nod to both the beginning and the end of those difficult conversations. So I like that. What happens as a result of learning how to resolve conflict? What happens? How? Tell us a little bit about the process, the kind of things you'd get people to discuss in a conflict situation. I think understanding what's created the conflict is really important because if you don't know what's got you there, you're not going to be able to sustain the outcome afterwards. So it's really important to understand how you got there. Um, and it's also really important to understand um, how to navigate. So I, I, I really encourage people to take on board the tools to navigate it better afterwards because it's all very well, here, get me out of the, the shit now, but you're going to keep making those same mistakes again. So... It's hard though. It can be really hard for people, can't it? Because the stress, the idea of the stress of going in and then making things worse or people really knowing what you think or that fear of rejection or judgment or will it impact your job or getting it wrong because there's so much red tape that we have to kind of step through now as well. It, it I mean, I know for myself that when I know I've got to have difficult conversations, I will put it off. I'll put it off as long as I can. Mm. And I think for me, it's a question of I'm sort of waiting for it to disappear on its own, hoping it's going to disappear on its own. And it never does. I do really think like when you have a gut instinct that something is wrong, you're always right. And yeah, I'm I'm by no means an expert in this at all. It's not my field. I will go to extreme lengths to avoid having that conflict, right? And like for me, it's very much like I could get myself clammy over it, tension in my belly, um, like even to the point of of like wanting to completely avoid work so that I don't have to have that conversation. Um But I think yeah, I know that those those behaviours are quite immature. And so that that then makes me think, gosh, I'm being such a child about this, which then makes this makes me feel worse, worse about not taking action. 
But I think that, you know, that fear is very visceral um, because we, and, and you'll obviously know this, that, you know, that fear takes us back to a time when those things may have happened to you. It might have been earlier in your childhood all the way through. You know, if you have been judged, if you have messed up, if you have made a fool of yourself. Um, but what's interesting is everyone's approach to conflict is different. And, you know, some people some people love, you know, to get their teeth in and some people will run for the hills. Um, but what I always say to, to people is, like anything in life, if you were approaching a, a new project, and obviously you're the best person to know this, you don't run into it head first. You plan it, you think about it, you get, you know, yourself prepared in, in all areas of the business. And this is the same mm. when you have mm. a conversation that you are absolutely terrified of having. You go have to go through a process. And I have something that I think is quite an easy little acronym which helps go on tell us your tell us your acronyms which to get is, through these challenging awkward conversations awkward. that we really wish we weren't having in the first place <laughs> exactly um and it's it's called user map and so the m stands for mindset the a is approach what do you want to sorry what do you want to achieve from the conversation and b is prep and plan and the mindset is is probably the the key and the most important because as we all know, if we're not in the right mindset to have the conversation, you know, it's going to be, it is going to be a disaster because there's a, a great um, quote from Henry Ford, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And it's the same. If you think the conversation is going to be difficult, the chances are it will be. So you have to work on that mindset first, getting yourself into a good frame of mind, you know, go for a run, listen to a great podcast. Um, anything to sort of lift your dopamine levels, anything that's going mm-hmm. to shift how you feel about the conversation. Um, you know, I always talk about a great tool is to listen to music. So what I encourage people to do is to have um, saved on their phone six music tracks, three which are really calming ones mm. that are like your go-to that whenever you turn them on they always calm you down um, and three say which like a real energy boosters give you confidence so I save them on my phone in three different you know two two different areas yeah and so whenever I just need that sort of oh, calming down I pick one of those three and, and that's really a really quick way to just kind of shift if you need that's to do such something a good quickly. idea yeah it's, really... it's so easy to create a playlist on Spotify as well isn't exactly. it exactly so I'm curious as to what's one of your tracks on the up list have we got some Dancing Queen by ABBA what have we got yeah, there I mean Dancing <laughs> Queen is that's my nickname all my friends call me Dancing Queen is it? Yeah, Dancing Round yeah Dancing Round um that's one of my favourite. Um, on my calming list, I've got a track from because um, when I I actually need the calming ones when I have a difficult conversation, so they're always my go-to. Um, so one of them is quite an obscure one, which is Sarah by Sarah Sarah by Fleetwood Mac. That's one of my favourite. Okay. Um, 
what are my others? I actually can't even remember now. You know, when you're put on the spot, it will come to me. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I put you on the spot. You didn't know I was going to ask that. I'll tell you no. one of mine that Go I on. listen to that's not, not for calming, but for more introspection, which often mm. puts me in a place of um, like uh, it, reflection, like being part of the universe, if you yeah, like. Grounding. As opposed to, yeah. Yeah. As opposed, as opposed to, this obstacle or this difficulty is the only thing in the world like just remembering right no we're part of something much much bigger and it's um by an artist called fia f-i-a and the track is called receive and Mm, it's quite spiritual it's very spiritual actually it's kind of i don't know if she's she's norwegian i think um or something in that neck of the woods and it's very much about just being open to whatever's coming to you and for me, it puts me in this place of, like, ease, I suppose. Hmm. Um, yeah, I often go back to that track when I know that I know I'm being a stress head and I've got to just chill, chill. out and remember there's more. To, there's more to life than the thing I'm worrying about. But that can also, it can be hard to do that, you know, before before you go into into conversations. And I think... I know for me, I would be busy catastrophizing worst case scenarios in these conversations and actually forgetting that well, what, if you go in with a best case scenario in your head, you are carrying a really different energy and attitude yes. and manner and physicality and like literal electromagnetic field <clears throat> energy. Yeah. And not in the woo-woo energy type way, but the, like yeah, how you show up. Giving. Yeah, your state yeah. that you show and, up in. Yeah, because it's the difference between going in saying, you know, I'm going to give you a bollocking and you're going to be so angry with me or I'm going to be angry with you and it's going to be a disaster. But going into we need to have a conversation to make this better so that it's a, that win-win situation. Yeah. And I think um, I've got a friend who's really good at this, that she's so good at <laughs> the shit sandwich. <sighs> we, all know, we all know a shit mm-hmm, sandwich, shit right? Sandwich, yeah. So good at bringing that. Like, these are the things I love about you. This is what I love about our working relationship. These are the things I value in you. Before then going, but we have, we have got these other areas mm-hmm. to talk about. And it's a really different energy to go into a conversation like that. Because you're you're opening up, and just that just that idea that it doesn't all have to be a disaster. Absolutely, you know, and I think that that's a really really interesting point because I always think of conflict as an opportunity for change rather than challenge. Mm. And I think if you, I, I guess, like I was saying before, you know, if you go in with that thought, it's going to be it's it's actually going to be this is going to be difficult. Um, and that mindset and that approach, that is going to leak out into your energy and and how you position things and your body language. Yeah. Um, but if you think of this is going to be an, a great opportunity to make things better or different or whatever it is that you want from the conversation, that is going to help change your energy as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of us, and I you know, hand up, even though I do what I do, I'm still make mistakes um it's it's bringing awareness to that you know how we show up and how people are experiencing what do you think the most 
Yeah. What do you What do you think for you the most challenging, difficult conversation you've ever had is? Is that something you can share, or give us a ballpark area? It's always around family. Maybe go- yeah. I mean, yeah. I perhaps won't go into details, but details. yeah. But there are some family and you know conversations that always trip me up definitely yeah yeah Um, and I think in family as well we go back into there's other patterns that we're stepping back into aren't we and roles and that that identity piece again in a in a family environment people are seeing us as a role that we're not we're showing up as an individual yeah and a person yeah and I think that those are the times I have to be quite mindful also there's a lot you know any difficult conversation there is emotion attached to it because there is a fear the stakes are always high and I think the higher the stakes for you in a conversation the more we fear it because we've got more to lose from it there is always emotion attached to these conversations and it you know if we didn't care or if it wasn't important to us if you were talking to a stranger, you know, even though I'm sure we would all you do it respectfully, you wouldn't have that connective or emotion because there's not not a lot to lose for you from that conversation. You probably never see them again. The emotions attached to fear of of the implications of what's going to happen is such a primal a primal response, isn't it? Mm. Um, I'm really curious as to what happens in a business when you are called in at the wrong time and what happens when you're called in at the right time. I mean, at the wrong time, often the dam- too much damage has been done. And when I, I don't mediate anymore, but when I did, often mediation was called in, it was, was used as a sort of tick box exercise post-grievance, for example. And by that time, there would normally be a outcome from the grievance, which meant one party was aggrieved and one wasn't. And often they were also really peeved with the organisation as well if the um, grievance mm. wasn't upheld. At that point, it's so far embedded that you can't possibly you you can make a, a change, a sustainable change, but it's much harder. The questions I always ask is, why didn't you have a conversation earlier on about it? And that's often systemic of the kind of business culture. Mm. And I would say Mm. difficult conversations should be added in as instead of, you know, throughout the old handbook and just sit down and have a conversation first. That should always be the first port of call. And when you are brought in early, you know, it's done. It's dusted quickly. It's, It's dealt with. You know, the harmony's restored, people can get back on you. The thing about conflict, it, it's like a lead balloon. You carry it around mm-hmm. with you everywhere. It mm-hmm. consumes you. You think about it all the time. You get yep. that. It bleeds into yeah. your family life. Your exactly. Sleep. Exactly. And emotionally, you know, it just, it consumes you. So, mm-hmm. and if we think, if, if we've all been there, if you actually work out the hours you spent worrying about things you know you that that's that's time that's been stolen from you 
your your well-being has been impacted by it those involved in it are, are affected mm. by it. your family when you take it home you're irritable and and cross and and you know you shout at your kids or your husband or your partner whoever you know that is all the impact it's it's it is far reaching if you deal with mm. something quickly um it's done it's dusted happy days we all get on with it you you you, you just move on life life is back to normal again i think i think it's also that um the financial impact or to a business so if you keep someone in that you are not having a difficult conversation with and they're not productive or they're being obstructive or the way that they're addressing clients or other team members might actually mean that you not only are not progressing as a business but you're potentially pushing clients away or good team members who are behaving in the way that you would want the culture of the organization then leave because of an individual because you're too frightened to have this conversation and um you know that has a huge impact all of those kind of exterior things have a huge impact but if you as the business owner or um, wherever you are within the organization as a leader if you're not focused on the rest of the business because this thing is consuming you and it's consuming your energy your sleep your mental well-being then your your own department or your own business is not then growing right it's stagnating during that period exactly so um What's the best way for people to come and find out about whether you, their business is a good fit to get your help? Um, well, I'm mainly on LinkedIn now, um, mm-hmm. so that's probably the best way to find me. Um, or they can email me. Uh, my website's just sort of undergoing a a re refresh. It's not a refresh because it's not really representative of where I'm at now. Um, so just I'm working now with more um, startups and early stage startups and founders because, mm. interestingly, one thing that they don't even think about when they start a new business is conflict might impact our our growth, our rapid growth. So I am talk a lot now about we risk assess so many areas of our business. Why don't we risk assess? conflict and how to manage it better so that's I think it's so important because when you have fast growth we've been through this when you have fast growth as a startup you you often need to onboard people pretty damn quickly because you're you've held off too long before you recruit yeah and then you're maybe not recruiting with with the wisdom that you would have Mm. if you hadn't had that pressure under you exactly Um, and it's easy to particularly if you've not had experience in managing people before because you're entrepreneurial or you're creative you can't be it's not your fault you don't have those skill sets or recognize what what needs to happen um but yeah I mean I see it I see it all the time time. I mean I'm I'm just working on a new program actually it's uh, uh and one of the areas is understanding how to um recruit and on board without creating conflict because mm. and which goes back to understanding the culture of the business you are and attracting the right people to the business and there are so many little areas of a new business and I know you've started many new businesses so you'll appreciate this you know yeah. you're looking at you know the bigger picture of marketing and and um 
all the legal and um, accounting and all, all the things that go into setting up a new business. Um, and you, unless you're tuned into it, you wouldn't think about who are we as a business and who do we want to be, you know, how, how do we want to show up and the kind of people mm. we want to attract. You just recruit, mm. oh, oh, I need a new assistant or yep. I need this or I need that. You don't think about it. Yeah, and it might well be that you've had some, you know, temporary freelancers who then ended up coming into the business because they know it and you've kept going with them. Um, It's easy to see how people get in those patterns. Mm -hmm. So given that this show is about being positively influential, if there was a message or an understanding that you would want people to go forward with, what would it be? What would you want people to understand about how they can have those difficult conversations or what would be your biggest yeah, my, advice my biggest them? advice is something I t- touched on before is conflict is an opportunity for change but you've got to have the courage to do it and I think that avoidance is is just you bury your head in the sand it never works out if you leave it it's never going to be a good solution so find the courage to have the conversation and if you need help whether that's professionally or otherwise you know you there it doesn't have to as my book says it doesn't have to be so hard you know you'll get to the end of it and think oh that wasn't so bad after all so find the courage to have it and do not do not leave it or avoid it find ways to have it good advice we are going to make sure that we link um nicole's book and breathe in the show notes underneath wherever you're listening today so thank you so much for joining me today nicole it's lovely to see you thank you about the work you're doing in the world lovely to be here thank you